Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Your host, Steve Hudgens, is a licensed professional counselor, and your co-host, Julia Canton, is a therapeutic coach. Together, they discuss various topics, providing a different perspective on life and insight that you are not alone. On a non-emergency basis, you may contact them at area code 918-280-8690 or coachsoul.com to provide them with new topics, feedback, or to request an appearance on the show. And now, here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I we're, we're doing a pre-recording because this is going to be uh, podcasted after my surgery. We're going to say that I made it through uh, because if I didn't, Julia, my ghost would haunt you forever. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just that kind of a spirit. Um, no, I I, <laughs> I made it through. Know. <laughs> We're going to have some positive attitude about this. I do want to pick up because I know the last session was rather heavy in dealing with our topic One of the things I want to flush out that I find interesting that I think would help our listeners uh, in listening to this podcast is you're dealt a blow. And Mm -hmm. for you, you were dealt with a blow three different times and your emotions played it out different ways. You, the first time you had a disbelief, the second time you kind of stuffed it down. And then the third time you just became survival mode. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have time to prepare for any of that. But I knew at least two weeks in advance of when the surgery was going to happen. I knew that uh, I I kept you informed about where the doctor was at and what he was concerning. And we've had discussions, but I think it would be important to help our audience to kind of gather some facts here that what happens here, here I am a reminder of your husband, even though I'm not your husband, I'm a good friend, uh, Mm -hmm. a close confidant, you know, and, and, and just because we're in the field of in helping one another, helping other people, because that's who we are as people, how has, just hearing about my heart condition, we know it's going to do better for me because they say I'm in great health, which I am. My blood work shows that I'm in great health. I'm in good shape. Uh, I have good targets on my heart. They're impressed with it. So they have a positive attitude, which has given me positive hope, you know, but there's still that runs that risk. Mm-hmm how has my condition impacted you? And I know you said it, it, it's nothing to do with me personally. It's just a situation. And I like that you were able to process because I think sometimes we need to process this out. It's not about the individual It's what you've experienced in the past. Flush that out for us a little bit. Well, I think that just as a reminder that um, surgeries, extensive surgeries um, on the body and heart, um, light, you know, eyes that would restore vision to a couple of my kids and things along those lines were a part of the storyline, you know, for Lee and I. And surgeries in and of itself is nothing new for me. And it's just that 
when I, I began to realize that, well, let me just go ahead and start with just a little bit of a background before I get into your the impact that yours has had, is that there, Ali survived all three of those heart-related surgeries, okay? And we're talking blown out valves and mm. um, dissecting, ascending and descending aortic arteries. We're, these are major things, okay? And he survived all of those. And then he didn't survive... Uh, what, you know, the last four and a half months of his life was spent in the hospital because um, they, it took them about that long to discover that he had a disorder called histoplasmosis, which they call that the pigeon disease. It's just the pigeon poop has spores in it. If you're around it, it you breathe them in. You don't know that they're in the air. They lay dormant. They get in the lungs. They lay dormant in the lungs until the immune system drops so low that they hatch and they take over the, the everything in the blood. There is no cure for it. There's suppressants, but there's no cure. And, um, and so by the time that they had discovered that he had this, um, we were at a place where he wasn't going to leave the hospital. If they gave him the medications to suppress the histoplasmosis, then uh, they were so strong and toxic that it would kill him. Mm. If they didn't treat the histoplasmosis, then his heart would give out because his blood pressure could not sustain the rate um, and impact that it was that this disorder was having on it in order to if they gave him the medication um, he had a mechanical heart valve in it and they would have to do another valve transplant um, because histoplasmosis um, the medication would not kill what was in the valve itself um, so if they did that if they didn't do that surgery he would die if they did the surgery his body was too weak and he would die there was no there was no hope whatsoever, except that the one thing that they said is if we can get enough nutrition into his body through a feeding tube, we might be able to build up his strength and, and he might be able to survive one, the surgery or something. But right now he's just too depleted. He, his body mass and everything had gone down so severely in the hospital. And of course, it was the one thing that he and I agreed that we would not do is feeding tubes. And, and here I was left with this dilemma. Do I give him the only chance that the doctors are saying in which he will survive? And, and if I do, I'm going against everything that he had said that he, that he didn't want. So I had to make a decision to go ahead and do the feeding tube. I discussed it with his siblings and we, we said, this is this, if he had hope, he would want the hope. We were talking, you know, when we had those discussions about feeding tubes, we were talking car accidents, you know, things along those right. lines. And so I chose to go ahead and do the feeding tube to give him that one last chance. And as it turns out, I went home with my children to stay with them and his sister stayed with him in the hospital while they did the feeding tube. And the nurse that did it didn't follow hospital protocol and to use an ultrasound machine because of all the other stuff that was going on and tubes and everything. And honestly, this is a very, you might want to make sure the listeners are aware, but um, it's very graphic. The feeding tube was put in his lungs instead of down in his stomach and she drowned him. He literally uh -huh. bled out. She punctured his lungs. You know, for some people they go, why didn't you sue? And I said, because in some odd way, that was a mercy death. He wasn't going to leave that hospital. That last chance was his last chance. Was she in the wrong? Yes. I no question on that. 
but he was so, so sick. And the likelihood that the feeding tube would have even worked was so small that it wouldn't have mattered. My only sorrow was that, that it caused pain in the end. And so you have um, all this trauma yeah. that you have dealt with. And yes, so, I mean, that, you know, not to cause more trauma, but I, I was told of, of what they're going to do. Yes. The incubation and the tubes that are coming out to, to alert my family and friends that I may look that bad in bed when, when I come out of ICU, right, right. but it's, it's necessary to sustain my life until I'm able right. to do things on my own. And knowing me, you know, I am that self-willed power, independent guy that I am going to get through, you know, and being a veteran, you know, I am thankful for the Veterans Administration to allow me to have this outside of, of the VA uh, at OSU Medical Center mm -hmm. in Tulsa. So I'm, I'm thankful. But even as a veteran, you know, we we get trained for war. We get trained for the what if scenarios. Mm -hmm. But nothing like this prepares us. Yes, I'm preparing for the surgery and I'm given time and I'm very fortunate. Mm -hmm. But but Julia, what you know, we we to to resurface when we first started this podcast, what is it that we can help our listeners in preparing for either we're preparing or the unprepared? What helps us to, to get through yeah. the difficulty? Because you, you said that this has impacted you to a way yeah. that. Well, and I want to answer that question too. Yeah. Yeah. And because there was a, um, there was um, a, a process after Lee passed away that I did numb out. I couldn't be angry. I couldn't be sad. I just started numbing out. And um, because I had to cope with life. We there, we still had to survive. And, and so moving forward after years and years of work, cause he's been gone for eight years. Um, and, uh, and of course taking all the coursework that I did in the clinical mental health program at OU and, you know, just all these, you know, they make you do your work, you know, while you're in those kinds of programs. And, um, and I, it is a, it was interesting that as, and, and I did, wasn't aware of it. I like the word processing versus uh, coping, by the way. Um, I wasn't aware that I was automatically processing with old dialogues. Uh, when you said that your surgery was coming up, I, I started feeling this, this withdrawal from you. And it, and it wasn't a conscious thing. It was just, I don't want to do the podcast with him. I don't want to have conversations. I want to pretend that this is not going to happen. I am, you know, these are literally expressions that are going on in the backdrop of my, my mind. Okay. Um, and then it was literally a couple of days ago that I went, Oh, Julia, the awareness, the conscious awareness of avoidance is what prompted me to realize that 
that was not our common theme to want to avoid you. So where's that avoidance coming from? Mm. I enjoy the podcast, but why am I wanting to resist doing it? Why am I wanting to electively put a stop to it now? Okay. Versus seeing what the outcome will be. And then that brought about a whole internal conversation of really what is going on and really what was going on is that my brain said, Hey, Steve's heart surgery situation, somebody you care about is very, very to my nervous system is the same as what's gone over here with Lee, even though they have nothing to do with each other, even though they are completely different surgeries, even though they are, um, you're very much aware of what's going to go step-by-step in your process and mine. We didn't have very much information or time, even though, okay, I love those words. My brain said, guess what? It's the same. So we're going to react the very same and how you survive in these situations is you disengage, you go numb, you disconnect, you stay away from them because if you stay away from them, then you don't have to deal with the potential aftermath because we can survive that. We can survive that. And then, of course, if something, as we know, we're recording this as though you did great and everything's fantastic. But if he should have passed, then you can handle that because you've done that before. You know how to do that before. And so I thought instead of avoiding this anymore, I wanted to have this conversation with you, have this conversation with our listeners that we process grief in different ways and in different stages. But sometimes, even if we've done work years and years and years of work and we have the education and we have the experiences, sometimes grief comes up behind us and gives us a back slap up against the head and says, guess what? I'm taking over right now. Boom without any warning. You know, I I just, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate you being vulnerable. And this is what this podcast is about Mm -hmm. is exposing vulnerability. It doesn't change how I feel about you. It doesn't change how you feel about me. And if we can take that information and help other people to realize it just doesn't change we can always come out better on the other side. And so I hear what you're wanting to do in in disengaging. I also want to kind of reveal what does that do to the person that's going through the event? Mm -hmm. If you weren't, um, I, I, I was wondering what was happening and it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, are these, is she come up with excuses? Is she something going else going on? You know, and here I'm coming to uh, the S day, surgery day, you know, not D day. I don't want to call it death day. Mm-hmm. It is surgery day. <laughs> okay. Like and, the word uh, very good. <laughs> right. And again, this is pre-recorded for our audience. And so here's yeah, yeah. where I'm going with this. No matter the difficulty of life, and this is hard, we have to celebrate life as it is that's being given to us because it's a gift. That's why it's called the present. 
The present is a gift in the moment. And it's so easy to succumb to the negative. It's so easy to get down and numb feelings out and just stay there. And what's harder is to celebrate life. You know, I want to be surrounded by my friends and family. Um, you know, some of my clients, hey, can we come visit you? I, I don't care. If that's what you want to do, come visit. We're human beings. I think we come from a human decency between everybody that life needs to be celebrated. Yes. And I, th I think, too, because I'd like to interject on that part. Sure. I think that part of the celebration is being able to trust each other with the vulnerabilities, with the rawness of, of expression of really what's going on. Um, you know, in our in our particular case, if we didn't have a friendship that would host a safe space for what's showing up, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It most certainly wouldn't be recording it. And um, and so I think that that just on that note alone is a reason to celebrate. It's a really, a really a reason to rejoice because how many, how much of our life do we spend in just trying to meet expectations, trying to cover up, trying to suppress when in fact we just need to be present for. And, you know, that is the beauty of this. I mean, Yes, we there is there's a celebration in the connection. And and so that's where I'm just so grateful. I mean, it is a it's it's just the rawness and the beauty that that this produces. So yeah. I want to I want to pull I'm gonna pull out what you just said about being in a safe place, the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And and when you think about dealing with grief, sometimes we want to shut down, we want to be inclusive, we want to say, okay, the world's coming crashing down. I don't want to deal with it. That can be destructive. And at the same time, we need to be mindful that when we can, it, it's about those healthy emotional boundaries of knowing who can handle and who can't handle. So I, I'd call it the, the model of relationships is like a bullseye. Uh, the bigger the bullseye, the, it, it's the acquaintances that I have. And as my bullseye gets closer, my inner circle is what's intimate for me whether it's the physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, it's that who I have in that inner circle that I love and mm -hmm. trust the most. Then outside of that one circle is my good friends that I have. So when we talk about safe space, we're going to have these Karens out there that are Debbie Downers and I, I, whoever came up with these names, I don't know. You know, I'm just glad they didn't say Steve or Julia and, and just put some negative connotation to our names. You know, it's just, uh, it's hard to deal with as it is. But where I'm going with this is if we can just be able to process, and that's what I explain to a lot of my clients, journal. It is an easy process when you journal. And I was talking to a client the other day who's an EMT. And one of the things that we talked about, you know, she knew the lady that died. 
and it impacted her and it impacted her in such a way that she knew the lady that died also had a small child. And that impacted her because she's a mother of small kids. And who do you talk to in the moment? And communications very uh, it's it's very important to be able to communicate our thoughts and feelings and emotions. And when you coming to me and say, Steve, you know, uh, I'm disengaging because of this. Okay. I respect that. And it took time for you to process. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And after explaining and talking and processing, how are you feeling now and exposing and being vulnerable? What are your feelings? Well, I, you know, I think that one, not everything is based on how we, we don't, it's, if we don't have a right just to react to life, just because we feel a certain way, there you, go. Um, you know, it's a, um, I, I have a thorough appreciation for my emotional state, but I also understand that sometimes we have to take steps steps in a different direction from the way we feel about, you know, on how mm. based on opposite of what we feel even. And, um, and so I think that if I were to give it a single answer, I would simply state that there's an authenticity feeling by simply sharing, this is where I'm at. Um, it doesn't mean that I have to be more present or that I have to be more involved. I can, I can choose to simply stay where I'm at because I pulled back a little bit and, and be okay with that. Um, or I can choose to go forward, but going further back is not, I know that that's not who I am or what I want. So I'm not going to be trying to go that direction. Um, but there is at least an honesty and that is, is present, um, at least from my, because I've, I've stated it. And this is why I'm here. And, and I think that lends itself to a sense of just gratitude. Now you can choose, you, you know, Steve can choose to take that information, but I've been honest in my stance. And I think that that's a beautiful space for me. And so Whereas before, there, there was kind of almost a sense of guilt or shame um, over, gosh, I, I don't know how, I, I can't, I don't know how to present this to him. I don't know how to, and again, it wasn't a conscious thing. It was just all these, these different emotions were showing up and I was going, what is, where is this coming from? Why, why, where's, what is this, you know, kind of thing. And then when I dissected it, you know, and took it apart. And that's when I realized that I just got to be honest with him. I have to share with him what's really going on so that he understands that it has nothing to do with him. It is simply the way my nervous system is reacting because my brain thinks it's the same thing. It's not. And eventually it'll learn that, but it is better to just show up and say, here's, here's authentically where I'm at and this is what I can give. And this is how I can be present in this way. The other way isn't going to work for a little bit. You know, let me process some more and then we'll, we can talk about it again. It's just, uh, for me, it's a good space. You know, I appreciate that because on the flip side too, I'm the receiver. 
And I could react out of my own hurt and push you away because of rejection or a feeling of abandonment. So when we yes. deal with these things, I think that we have to create a safe space for each other and understand that we're human and we have these emotions mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with you personally or with me personally. So when we hit tragedies or when we hit some type of trauma and we're feeling these things, a good way, and I don't like the word cope, it's just, um, and, and for the life of me, I can't think of a, a different term. But if yeah, we can create, yeah, just process. Processing mm -hmm. through it is healthy. And even though our conversation can be difficult, it gives a sense of accomplishment of overcoming an obstacle and feeling good on the other side that I give you the room to breathe. I accept where you're at and understanding, okay, I can be selfish in mine and have my own pity party, but I'm about living life, living a life of regrets and sorrows and depression and things of that nature. We're missing out of the beauty that's there of just the breath and the air that we breathe. And I'm thankful to be alive. We're out of time. And I really appreciate this conversation that we have had. And I hope to our audience, it has broadened that perspective of understanding that here's how we have a difficult conversation. And I will say this, this was not a rehearsed recording at all between us. This was a spontaneous conversation, one that we wanted to be vulnerable, one that we wanted to be honest with you, unscripted, unrehearsed. You have the natural us to help encourage you, the listener, how to be a better you. And as always, may you be blessed. Thanks, Julia. Right. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.